This is Kari Gale. And this is Tony Critz. Welcome to the Pilgrim Lost Podcast, a space for those who wander and wonder. How's your coffee this morning, Tony? Uh, what, what am I drinking? Something cheap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, I don't think this one was cheap. My, normally I get like the, the $2.99 dark roast from Trader Joe's. But a friend picked this up for me, so this is probably way more expensive than I'm used to. It's nice. I'm not a coffee snob, mostly. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll drink diner coffee and be perfectly happy. But I notice good coffee when I'm drinking it. So, But for I'm, me, the... I'm not a snob. I'm not one of those people that, it has to be island roasted from such and such and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, eh, I like good coffee. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much the same way. My the the breaking point for me, however, is I do like creamer, yet I'm allergic to dairy. So to find the perfect creamer has been um, mm. a small yet successful journey. Mm. And I have like a coconut almond creamer called I think it's called Califia, it, which sounds like a character um from Game of Thrones, mm. but it's not. It's different. No, I think it's the same thing. <laughs> I think that's Khaleesi. This is Khaleesia, but it's quite delicious and creamy, and it acts just like normal half and half. Uh, we're recording. It's November 30th, Saturday. Mm. It's cold outside here in Portland. And uh, you have you have a big event this week. I do. It's coming up on Thursday, okay. December 5th. I am having the first art show that I've had in a really long time. I'm having Congratulations. it. Thank you. I'm actually really excited about it. It's an interesting thing because not only is it the first art show in a long time, but it's the first time I've ever done an art show where all the art has been finished prior to the show. <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I mean. Like you're not madly framing or painting, uh, you know, two days the before week, the yeah. show. Yeah. So... And the reason why all that art is done is I I am doing um, a show with a hundred drawings that I that I created over the past year. Um, I started on I think it was April second. I think it was oh man now I'm I don't know hundred days later. A hundred days later. A hundred <laughs> calendar days later. A hundred calendar days. Calendar days later. I finished um, the 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 project and the project is a, a project that many people have been doing for years i think this is the the fifth year 100 day drawings like it's well it's just a 100 day project 100 it could be project. it could be anything it's doing a, something creative 100 days in a row okay and uh you can google it and find the history on it but it came onto instagram i think about 5 years ago um where people started posting every day and the idea was just to post something every day. It could be, I wrote a song lyric. I did an expressive dance. Right. I knit, you know, five rows in my scarf. It could be anything. But the idea was do something for a hundred days in a row, do a practice of some sort and see what happens. And so I chose drawing because I'm an illustrator and it'd been a long time since I'd done anything consistently days in a row and in fact honestly the last time I did something was on the Camino was right. I drew for 40 days or 42 days something like that uh so that was the last time I had ever done anything 
consecutively. And so these drawings, um, it's a little, it's intimidating to think about doing something a hundred days in a row. Okay. Before we get to the topic matter. Yes. So, um, you were kind of encouraged or challenged to do this idea, right? Yeah. So my boyfriend, Scott has been doing this, this challenge for four years now, I think. Okay. And he invited me into that and said, Hey, why don't you do this as well? So, okay. So there's this relational component to it. Sure. And then posting every day on Instagram, there's sort of this community accountability component to it. Yeah. I imagine you got a lot of feedback on the project as you were doing it from, from people looking at these daily drawings. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the posting component's a really interesting part of it because, so as I started, the first drawing, I didn't really have a sense uh, of how long it would take me. I started out with this idea that I was going to do ordinary things and right. ordinary things being that I wanted to do something that I had in my tiny house. And so um, the first drawing that I did was a drawing of an avocado. I was sitting in my fruit bowl, picked it out, cut it in half, and I drew it. And it took me about 28 minutes to draw it. And I thought, oh, this is a really good idea. I'm going to put some framework. Because sometimes being an artist, you can right. paint to death, right? So giving myself just 30 minutes meant that I had to be in and out <laughs> of that drawing done. Whatever, at whatever state it was at, it, was, it would be done in 30 minutes. And so that was really helpful for my brain to be able to process the idea of doing something for 100 days. Because we do a lot of things for 30 minutes. Now, a drawing, if you thought, oh, I'm going to work on this for a couple hours, there's no way you could do that for 100 days in a row. You would just be you'd be starting with a with a, a um, an idea that you were already going to fail at, right. at least in my mind. Right, right, right. But the idea of posting it was really interesting because posting it is a whole other aspect. When you share it with, with people out in the world, the idea of posting your thing every day is to sort of take away the preciousness of it. Does that make sense? So No, it doesn't. Um, Please explain. When I draw something and I draw something I like then I'm excited to share it and say, look how, look how good this is, mm. right? But the mediocre things, not so much. I would never post the mediocre things. Okay, now so we're the getting to it. biggest part of this challenge for me was to post the mediocre because whatever I did in that half mm. an hour, I had made a commitment to myself to post it. So when I say take away the preciousness of it, it was this idea that it's just a drawing. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be... A, it's just something I did in 30 minutes. I'm going to post it. I'm going to share it. And I'm not going to attach too much significance to the outcome. I'm, I'm investing in the process of it, in the practice of it, rather than look how good this thing is that I drew. So in the... Which might, might I say is a huge thing for artists. Yeah, this yeah, whole yeah. thing of like oh, putting yeah, yeah, your yeah. stuff out there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um there's so many pieces to this, but when I think about human formation, the, the process of human formation, one of the terms that's used is practices. Like you engage in these practices in your life and practices can be a lot of things. Practices can be, you know, 10 minutes of meditation every morning can be a practice that somebody does. Um, you know, walking to work instead of driving to work can be a practice somebody does to help become whole, be a whole person. And you've taken this idea of practices and you've really, you've really like, like grabbed the idea in the way that, you know, people smarter than us have, have, have said, this is what you need to do, you know, do something regularly, um, 
do it to where it forms a habit in your life where you really can't get through your day without without doing it. Um, have parameters on it so that you can maintain the practice, right? Because um, it's it's the it's the going on a diet and all I'm going to do is eat you know romaine lettuce you know three meals a day and nothing else. Well, that's obviously that diet's not going to last, but a diet of moderation where no, I'm going to just change a handful of things that I do. That's that allows for something to go. Oh, this thing has legs. It can actually maybe last if I try and do it. And you did that around a part of your life you want to nurture. Absolutely. Your creative self. And like you said, you haven't regularly illustrated, drawn since the Camino. And that's something you've all, I mean, every time, as long as I've known you, like, I want, I want this to be more a part of my life. And then you just said, no, for 50, for a hundred days, I'm actually going to do it. Yes. And it was, it was interesting too, because going back to that idea, I think I've shared with you several times. And I think on the podcast, we've talked about this idea of not seeking out the the cathedral to draw, but rather drawing the coffee cup, mm. not seeking out the the thing that would be the kind of the most lauded or 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 set apart as being beautiful, but seeing beauty in the everyday. Mm. And so for me, this the practice of putting grabbing my can opener out of my drawer, putting it on the table and starting to draw what we considered to be something rather boring and um, not beautiful and finding beauty in even that thing in the mundane in the mundane and noticing the way the light reflected off of the handle and the way Mm. metal looks when there's a certain um the sun is shining through the window on it like these are things that as you draw something you have to notice Mm. you have to because you're you're capturing it in you know in your in your medium whether for me it's watercolor and pen and ink and the other thing that was so interesting about that process is that the things that i thought were maybe my least favorite drawings would generally have the most uh, comments or likes on Instagram. Hmm. So again, this idea that I'm never my best reflection of what is good. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's just in the, in the art practice, I've talked a lot uh, to to various friends and artists who are, we get really bogged down in our own perception of what we're making. Right. And to be able to have step apart from that and know that we're our, really our worst critic and to be able to separate yourself from what we think is that, again, that that outcome and say, really, I'm celebrating the process and mm-hmm. I'm not going to attach myself to what I think is good or bad, um, which I wish I could do that in so many of the things that I do right. on a daily basis. Right. Um, what you know, Drawing is one thing, but... Because I grew up in an environment that really, um, the only thing that was celebrated was really perfection. Mm. I very much avoided failure or even the idea of failure. If I started to do something, a sport, an activity, and I wasn't good at it, I would just stop it. Right. And so the idea that process can be very beautiful, and even if the thing that is the outcome of that process isn't something that you perceive as having value, there can still be value in the process. Um, that's really, for me, that was a really important part of this practice. Uh, and the thought of being raised to only value the perfect, even that, even that phrase is a lie. 
because what is perfect? Like right. who defines what perfect is? But it's a particular formula of perfection that you were given, a particular subjective, non-universal, non, non-human definition of perfection that limited you in stepping these other things. So you draw, you draw these mundane things and the, the particularly quote unquote imperfect ones that you put out in the world actually got more response from your community where your community went perfect or at least beautiful. And, and then suddenly we, we stepped into this thing where, you know, back to this idea we've talked about before, that humans are not primarily individuals. We're primarily communal creatures. Right. We, we're humans are designed to live within a communal context. And for you to even have a perception of your own art, you can't trust your just your mind alone. Your mind lead, needs your community to join in and go, no, Kari, you have a limited perspective. You only see the world from one vantage point. And we all have different vantage points. And when we share our vantage points, we get to see the entire scene. But from just your own vantage point, you're just seeing a two-dimensional scene. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I feel like the the, I mean, I have a, hate love hate relationship with Instagram but that is a beautiful thing about social media in that context when you are sharing your work with a group of people who are invested in supporting each other mm-hmm. that was wonderful to have that outcome have people responding to me now here's the other thing that was so interesting is people were much more responsive, not to one individual drawing, but to the idea of doing a body of work. They were so excited to sort of partner with me in the process of that 100 days to see the drawing every day, to see it show up. And it wasn't necessarily so much, oh, I love the drawing you did yesterday. It was, I'm so enjoying seeing all the drawings. And so... That was that was really kind of revelatory for me as well, to to kind of feel that I had this sort of cheering section, right, cheering me on in this process. So, yeah, and and now we, your community, want to celebrate the completion of the project. That's why you're doing the show on yeah. Thursday. And by the way, if you guys are at all curious about coming and seeing the hundred days uh, up up close and personal. Um, this Thursday, well, you can go, you can go on the website, you can go on pilgrimloss.com and look under the events and you'll see the, the deets about the event, but it's it's taking place here in Kari's neighborhood at a local cafe and you'll be able to see the, the actual pieces of art, which is cool. Yes. And I'm actually, they're going to all be for sale. Um, I know. And, uh, all the same price, 40 bucks a piece. Um, and it was interesting. So here's an interesting piece of it is yesterday I was preparing for the show and sort of preparing for hanging the show as it were and my initial instinct would be to digitally scan any of my work now part of the reason I do that is because most of my art is created in a journal so it's something I never sell the originals I always sell digital copies of those pieces Uh so it's just part of the process so I started to scan these paintings because I am selling the originals and it felt very contrary to the whole project for Uh me to keep them in this way of of documenting it um, or having a, a permanent collection of those pieces I wanted them to be again that that sort of as I said, not precious, 
so I decided not to scan them. Mm. I have photos of all of them that I took for Instagram, you know, your little snapshot. So I have a documentation of it, a loose sort of, um, you know, not, it's not anything I would ever be able to use for prints or copies, but I like the idea of letting them go. Interesting. Creating something and letting it go. Have you ever heard of Andrew Goldsworthy? Do you know who he is? Mm -mm. So he's a very famous artist who does, uh, pieces of artwork out in nature so he goes out into um, a beautiful field and he gathers leaves and he creates incredible sculptures out of colored leaves or icicles or you have to look him up if you don't know who he is he's magical and um he his there's documentaries because all of his pieces of artwork blow away or melt or tumble down or they they are there for a moment and then they're gone and i always thought that was a really Unique isn't even the word. It To be able to be an artist that does that kind of work that you know in the moment you're making it, it will not last. It is it is just there for a moment. We talk about this idea on Pilgrim Lost about being present. Mm. And to me, that is the quintessential art-making process um, that you would do a piece of artwork knowing right away that it was going to disappear. In fact, when I was walking through Wales on the Pembrokeshire coastal path, I came across, I looked down from this cliff top down onto the, the coast and there was a sand artist there creating right. these incredible giant sand sculptures that when the tide came in would be gone. Right. And so clearly I'm not, I'm not at that level of giving my art away or letting my art be that, but the idea of saying, I'm not going to scan this. I'm selling this art and mm. I created it in 30 minutes I'm going to let it go. And and for me, that was actually a kind of a practice in itself yesterday, mm. kind of making that decision. Graffiti is the same way. Graffiti art. I mean, um, I'm, I'm not a big fan of graffiti art on several levels, you know. Um, but when I'm out walking and I see it, I, I try to stop and take a mental picture of it because I know it's going to be someone's going to come along and paint over it in the next day or two or a week. And someone's put in so much time. And they're it. stunning. And they've made no money. They right. did it just for public consumption yeah. to make a statement about something. And uh, I try and stop and, and absorb the gift. I mean, from that person's perspective, it was a gift they were giving. Now, you may not like the idea of people spray painting or whatever, but some of it's amazing. The stuff that's down I by the agree. Rose Corridor right now is stunning. So, uh, so another, another aspect of this project was you kind of ran out of objects to draw. It's true. <laughs> Which is is so funny because most people have a million things lying about that they could draw. But as you guys know, I live in a tiny house and I kind of ran out of stuff to draw. I don't have a lot of objects and things. I'm very particular about what I own and what I have. Um, so I... I kind of ran out and I had to I had to go outside the tiny house and go to my neighbor's house and start sort of looking at objects that weren't here because I don't have that that many things here in the in the in the tiny. So Yeah. From my perspective, I mean, I live in a 2300 square foot house. We've had as many as 10 humans living under the roof as well as two dogs and three rabbits and chickens and all that's so 100 objects. I mean, a thousand. I, I mean, I have a thousand objects in my house. That sounds really like a huge number, but it's probably true. You know, sketchable objects. And the idea that you ran out of objects to me is fascinating. So 
Can you just maybe, I mean, minimalism is one of the topics that we try and talk about a little bit. Can you just mm-hmm. maybe respond to that a little bit? Like, what's the value in having less or why have you sure. chosen to have less and how you how you know what to keep? That's interesting to me. Mm. Yes, I know. And probably a lot of you, have, if you're interested in minimalism, you've been out in the world, you know, watching Marie Kondo and her whole, um, her idea of keeping something that sparks joy. That's her, I think it's probably copyrighted. I probably shouldn't even be saying it right now. <laughs> no, you gave her credit. There you go. Um, uh, by the way, I don't know who that is, but I should go check. Now I have two people to check out. Netflix. Go Netflix it. But she really was one of those first people that uh, started this idea of taking every object that you have in your in your surroundings and the way that you decide if you want to keep it or not is picking it up and deciding if it sparks joy in you and yes that's it sounds a little um, I don't know a little flighty but it actually is really accurate because when I was deciding so I actually kind of came about minimalism backwards and in the in the sense that I didn't, a lot of people decide they want to, for example, build a tiny house, and then they go through the process of getting rid of things. And I came I came through it getting rid of a bunch of stuff um, after my divorce and kind of proceeding from house to apartment to traveling. And so by the time I left to travel, I had honestly it was about it was either four or five boxes, and a couple of those boxes were books. Um, so in choosing what I would keep in those boxes, it was really that process of what does this mean to me? And some people have the idea that if someone you love gave something to you, then you need to keep it. And I don't follow that rule. If I love it, then I'll keep it. But, uh, I think a lot of, a lot of people get trapped with the idea that if grandma gave me this set of plates, then I'm dishonoring her by moving the plates on. But I feel like a gift is a gift. If it's given to you, it's not, you're not the keeper of that gift. You actually own that thing. Mm. And if you want to let go of it, you have the freedom to do that and let someone else enjoy it. Sorry, grandma. Sorry. (laughs) My, my sister has my grandma plates. Uh, So, and I think some people think it's a little harsh, but for me, so I, in my house, if I look around, I have a really beautiful antique cocktail shaker from my grandma on my dad's side. And I love it. It's beautiful. It makes me happy every time I look at it. It's got this very vintage, It was I think it was um, made in the 40s. It's beautiful. I have, I have a painting, a small painting that my, that my grandpa painted for me that is, I have one, usually one or at the most two items from people in, in that I love that have given something to me, but it's really something that I, every time I look at it, it makes, it does, it brings that joy to me rather than what am I going to do with that thing? Or I should probably use that thing. That is a phrase that you won't hear come out of my mouth. I should probably use that thing. Like if I don't, if I'm not using it, I don't have it. So um, that, and honestly, I talked a little bit about this um, on the YouTube show that I was just on. Um, Living Big in a Tiny House starring (laughs) Kari Gale. (laughs) No, starring Bryce Langston. But I mean, hey, I'm feeling pretty, pretty excited. We have over 600,000 views on that particular video. 
Not that I'm counting. But. No, whatever. <laughs> YouTube. My my one moment of stardom. YouTube star. YouTube star. Um, but I did say on the show, and I will say it here again, is the idea for me is that not having things equates to quite a bit of freedom. And I, I again, I also wrote this on the last blog post, this idea that things became, for me, they are weight. They are emotional weight. They're physical yeah. weight. Yeah. And even though when I was backpacking, they literally were weight. So when I would walk into a store and I thought, oh, I want a new shirt, I think I have to carry that shirt with me forever. Well, not forever, but that's how it felt. And I would, and in that moment, I was able to let go of that and say, no, I don't, I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't want to carry it. It might be pretty for a moment, but I don't need that. And so that really stuck with me because I was traveling for 15 months. And so as I came back to the States and I started this idea of processing how I was going to live, I'm like, how do I live in the lightest way possible? And I would love to tell you that I'm super eco-conscious and part of my whole idea was like a lighter footprint. Um, but that lighter footprint uh, actually came kind of as a result of that, but yeah. And so for me, it was, it was a less about, I mean, I love the fact that I have a smaller footprint, but it was more about the weight I carried Mm -hmm. in, in, on me and in my brain and in my soul. soul. Yeah. Because I feel, I feel, um, yeah, we'll give, we'll give it out to Marie Kondo. Everything I have in this home sparks joy. Hmm. And, um, it, yeah. yeah. So, um, there's, there's an old wisdom teacher that I tend to quote who, who once said in discussing what does it mean to be human said, well, one of the things you can do to feel human or to be human is if you have two cloaks, sell one and give the money to the poor. And I think so many people read that and they're like, oh, this is all about, I, I'm being sort of like forced to have less so that other people who don't have as much, they can have something. And so I'm going to suffer in order to give people who don't have. And there's probably elements of that in the teaching. But if you have two cloaks, if you have redundancies, sell one and give the money to the poor is as much about the person experience, the person with two cloaks experiencing joy, that, that they would keep the cloak that they experience joy through that they would have less and not have the emotional burden every day that that every day they wouldn't wake up with the thought oh god i need to clean out the i need to find a day to clean out the garage or i have to go through the kitchen cabinets that's one i got to put that on my checklist or there's so much there piles in the basement or what am i going to do about all the boxes in the storage area or what am i going to do with my storage unit and i haven't touched that stuff in two years i got to do something about that that's just 40 dollars going out the door every month you know those questions that follow us around create an emotional burden and when that stuff's gone maybe we're more free maybe we're more human in the way that we were intended to be my friend eden visited me uh here in the tiny house a couple weeks ago and when i had first was first going through my clothes because i i actually did another kind of purging when i moved into the tiny house as i was opening up my boxes Mm -hmm. and uh I had only had a very, very small amount of clothes when I was traveling. So clothes were probably the biggest thing I purged. And I had this really lovely scarf, kind of wraparound scarf that that was perfectly beautiful, but I didn't need it. I, I had I actually had two others. And so I gave it to her. And when I saw her, it's been a couple years, and I not since I've seen her, but a couple years since I gave it to her. And 
we saw each other and she walked in and she had the scarf on. And I said, oh, I said, you're wearing the scarf. She goes, I love it. I love it. I think of you every time I wear it. It's Mm. so cozy and it's so wonderful. And it literally would have just sat in my closet. And so it was just this lovely connection of, 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 I think, sometimes those things that are sitting there that, that are a burden on you would, will bring joy to someone else and passing them along can, can really do that. And I think it's an interesting kind of concept as we embark into the Christmas season and the idea of we hit that consumerism and what are we getting for people and yeah. what are we doing and how do we, how do we navigate Christmas in a way that is meaningful how do you now see my family decided many years ago, except for the wee kids to not give presents to each other because this consumer felt so, so burdensome. How do you navigate the Christmas season, Tony? What do you do in that space? What an excellent tease for our next episode. Mm. Cause that's what we're going to talk about in the next one. Right. I think so. Right. <laughs> so That's a good tease. But um, going back to something you just said a second ago, mm. The idea of giving your scarf to your friend seems to follow so well behind the idea of sharing your art with your friends Mm. and not keeping digital copies, but going, I'm going to give these away. They're they're going to be, I'm not going to hold on to these, these images, these expressions of my art. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to disperse somewhere among my community, my community that helped me create them, who cheered me on, who mm. who initially inspired me on this idea and to also treat our belongings that way, you know, that step out in the world. It's just, it, yeah, it's, it's amazing that I have been completely trained. I've been completely programmed um, that there are some things that I would never give somebody. Like somebody said, oh, I like... I love your jacket. Like I own jackets that I would go, Hey, you want it? Cause I really don't wear it that much. Like, yeah, but I have whole, I have swaths of my belongings that I'm just like, there's not even an option to give that away. Mm-hmm. Why? It's, it's a bunch of fabric, you know, it's just a thing. And, um, to, to have that sort of generous spirit as we walk out in the world and, and maybe, you know, may, um, maybe thinking about Christmas in terms of passing things along things of meaning passing them along but we'll get into that more in the next episode the next episode before we wrap up i'm just curious because i think a lot of people listening will be curious yeah Six hundred thousand views and if you haven't listened to our last episode of pilgrim lost podcast the sound levels are not great but we did get a chance to interview bryce the star of living big in a tiny house um, and got his thoughts on what's happening in this minimalism movement and the small living movement uh, across the world and why it's important to being human. Consciousness, no, um, conscious, consciousness as house porn. Disguised. Disguise, consciousness disguised as house porn is the uh, name of the episode. But uh, so you, you've had sort of a fascinating last week and a half since the podcast came out our podcast with Bryce and then the episode on YouTube I'm just curious like do you want to you want to talk about it at all do you want to sure. no, share no it's great i it's been an experience to to realize that 
you know, we, we all in this world of social media and we watch when something goes viral or when something blows up and we see that people can jump on the bandwagon of sort of, if I could get my blog post or my this or my that to go viral, then this might happen or that might happen. And it was, it was really interesting. I mean, we, I already knew that he had, you know, two point something million subscribers on his YouTube channel. So mm. there was a good chance that there was going to get a lot of, of, um, you know, comments and feedback and views. So I knew that was probably already going to happen. I think the interesting thing is just having the concept that, well, here's a, here was an interesting thing. My dad who designed the tiny house, who he, he was an architect for 40 years and we were chatting on the phone because so many of the comments, so many are, are just applauding the design and the unique features that are in my house and which were really all the brainchild of my dad. Hmm. And, uh, he said to me, he said, it's very strange to think that this was like maybe two days after the episode had aired. He said, in two days, I've had thousands and thousands and thousands more people see my designs than they ever did in the 40 years that I worked oh. in architecture. And I think, again, that's the, the, the beauty of things like YouTube is that, that people around the world can see something, you know, see, see something beautiful. I was really excited more for, for just that, that that design, his design got to be seen. Um, it is a little weird to think that so many people um, commented, have opinions. It's just an interesting process. But I did, I did really love when people reached out to me through my other, you know, my website or, or Instagram. And the, the comments that meant the most to me were, hey, I, I saw the tiny house and it was really cool. And then I found your podcast or I found your art. And uh, I had one woman who wrote me that she had just been through a divorce and she had found her way to Pilgrim Lost and she had listened to an episode and she said, this is really meaningful to me. And it's the things that I'm walking through right now. This is really going to help. And so those moments were the ones that, that, that are the, like the jewels coming out of that whole process. Not that, you know, wow, I had 600,000 people see my house. That's fine. And that's super fun. But the, the end result of someone encountering something that's meaningful that for them through the work that we're doing that I'm doing that really is what was made that special it's great hmm. it's great and honestly really encouraging to me because our little pilgrim lost project's very fledgling right now and just to have a burst of energy and because we started this thing because we want to grow as humans like we want to be more whole mm -hmm. and to have more practices in our lives but also because we want to we want to be a blessing to our friends and people we don't know and be able to reach out and connect and just in in this way that you got to do that in this really big levels super fun i'm very thankful well thank you guys so much for being here and uh, we look forward to talking with you more about Christmas and the excitement about that on our next podcast. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to the last episode, I'd check it out. 
And if you are in Portland, go on the events and happenings page on our website and get the details. I'd love to see you at my art opening. Thanks for getting lost with us. Thank you for walking with us. To stay connected, visit us at pilgrimlost.com. Please comment, share, and respond.